Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Okay. Well, praise God. Um, let's have, um, let's see, how about... Um, I'm trying to pick somebody open in prayer. How about Robin? Why don't you go ahead and open us in prayer, please? Okay. Dear Lord, thank you so much for tonight and everybody who's able to join the call. And uh, I pray that everybody's doing well on their homework and that we will get a lot of good information tonight and more people will be able to join us for the evening. And, Lord, I thank you so much for this beautiful day and this beautiful group of women and um, for Pastor Lynn and all that she's done for this ministry, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Well, we do have a lot of questions. I'm sure you guys saw that as of right now, there's still 69 questions to go. <laughs> so. Excuse me, lately the ones that have been coming in, I've been trying to answer to the prayerfully to the best of my ability and just in case we can't get to them or something. Um, but uh, so we're just going to go right off through. And the ones that I can answer, I'm going to try to go ahead and answer really quick. So if, if I get stumped or whatever, <laughs> I might say, okay, um, I'm going to call on somebody. <laughs> so, um, But we're going to try to, you know, go through. I, I think because we don't have a lot of time to get through so many that we may not get like two or three or four opinions on each one. We'll probably just have one person, you know, kind of answer. So let's, um, let's just see how it goes. Um, the first one is uh, Tanya Taylor's question. Um, besides word of mouth referrals, would you recommend promoting one's dance ministry by offering to go to sites like churches, Christian schools, daycares, et cetera? Um, I think somebody might need to mute. Uh, there's some background noise there. Um, <clears throat> to teach or inviting potential dancers to a certain location, like a library or other meeting room, a home church, if you can't get approval by one pastor or both. Um, yeah, I think yes to all of the above. Um, yeah, I I've gone in a library before to their meeting room. We've done things in my home. We've gone to, you know, like a clubhouse at the condo complex. We've gone, of course, to church. Um, and I'm not sure if I've done in schools, but other people have, you know, gone to schools and whatnot. So, yeah, most definitely. Um, and, uh, you know, word of mouth seems to really be kind of the best um and you know posting things of course on facebook and around and you know any community kind of websites um like in orlando we have um gosh i can't think of what it's called right now but it's kind of like you know news in your area or news in your neighborhood or something i forget what kind of group it's called but um you know you can post things there like what's going on in your community or um you know what might maybe at a 
even a dance studio or something. So, yeah, just um, anywhere you can get the word out is good. <laughs> um, yeah, and if you can get approval by one's pastors or both. Yeah, and you definitely, of course, you know, want to get approval. It's it's easier to do it in your own church, of course, and just invite people there. Um, but if that's not an option, certainly you can go, you know, other places. I don't see why not. Um, this is Abigail Hawkins' question. I have been tasked with praying about and creating a prophetic dance that will include unity in motion getting the whole congregation involved, as well as use of tambourines. We have a special prayer service coming up, and our prayer team has received words from the Lord about needing to really press in for unity in the body, as well as using the songs of Moses and Miriam, Exodus 15, to praise the Lord. Has anyone done tambourine dance that includes the congregation? And if yes, what songs? did you use, and how were you able to include the congregation in dancing? Um, has anybody done that? Can anybody like to share? How about Donna? You probably have when in your previous churches, huh? Atira? Um, hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. In, um, in Messianic congregations, um, yes, we, we have used um, tambourines. And um, what we have done is have tambourines in baskets. So when the congregation comes in, they would just pick up a um, tambourine. And um, a lot of songs that we have used um, have been um, Messianic songs like Paul Wilbur. Just very um, upbeat songs that we can bring into um, into unity. And we had unity dancers in, in the front that did a lot of circle dances and stuff. And with the tambourines, that would come in on the outer part of it, and the congregation would just follow along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, that sounds really nice. And I suppose if you just keep it simple enough, keep the movement simple enough that everybody can follow, right? Otherwise, yes. it would be like chaos with the tambourines. I would, <laughs> I <could do> yes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure it's real simple movements and whatnot. Um, yeah, I was thinking about the tambourine conference for next year's graduation, and I thought, how am I going to keep it, like, quiet <laughs> until we know what we're doing, you know? <laughs> but um, I was thinking, well, I'll just put the tambourines off to the side, and we'll just clap our hands in those motions, and then when everybody has it, then we'll pick up the tambourines. Because I thought, oh, my goodness, that's going to be very noisy. But anyway, um, yeah, so you have to keep the movements really simple. Um, and, you know, as far as if she's leading the congregation, <clears throat> And if not everybody has tambourine, they can do the same motions with their hands. You know, they just, whatever they're doing with the tambourines, they can still do with their hands and clap, you know, and that. Um, <clears throat> okay, this is Shakara's question. Uh, for those who oversee dance ministries, do you believe that it's necessary to take a yearly sabbatical of some sort? Um, anybody? Um, Rosemary, it seems like we talked about this earlier in the year about sabbaticals and whatnot, but she's talking like a year. Um, uh, yeah, I had suggested that to a girl that was going through oh some ups and downs with her dance ministry because she did not really want to quit and give up on dance. So I had, you know, suggested to her since she was going through a lot of things at home with family, caregiving, just so much going on all at the same time. And she wouldn't be able to focus. 
uh, be 100% committed to the ministry. So I just said take a sabbatical. Right. Then you'll become re- come back refreshed, renew, and mm-hmm. be mentally and physically prepared to uh, worship and do properly with the songs and with the dance ministry. Sure. Yeah, thank you. Um, anybody else want to share real quick about that? Um, she's talking about, I think, the entire team taking a sabbatical. I mean, the whole dance ministry kind of sitting down for a while. Um, we also did that, too, because mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I could with it, when I was uh, involved in over the dance ministry, we did do that. We took a two or three months break because I wanted them to focus on the word, and they were focusing more on um, just more of the performance side, and I was seeing that in them. So right. I brought in a few teachers and ministers to just for them to just study and get into the word, and so we can just kind of like. Um, come together, uh, come more close-knit as a ministry, plus I want them to realize what they were doing for God because a lot of them really weren't studying the Word. So I just took the dance totally out of it Uh and made them focus on the Word. Oh, that's good. That's that's wonderful. I bet there was a lot of growth, and I bet the dances were different after. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, That's really wonderful. Yeah, I heard of... um, Back in the 90s, there was a revival going on in, um, oh, gosh, it's somewhere in South America. And it was the the dance team at that revival was led by a 14-year-old girl. And she had the entire team pray, intercede, fast and pray for an entire year and Bible studies before they even danced at all. And they were apparently such an anointed dance team um, because now I'm not saying that everybody should do that, you know, but the story just kind of stood out in my mind. I remember it from the nineties and um, that, you know, they were a powerful dance team and led by a 14 year old. It was powerful. Um, Anyway. All right. This is Carrie Tyre's question. Can anyone recommend good brands of dance footwear? Is it for me? Is it best to stick with name brands such as Capizio or Block? I have ordered online from a dancewear company that was inexpensive, but the shoes did not fit correctly, even though I followed the guidelines for choosing my size. I had to pay to ship them back. Are there online dancewear supply stores that have prepaid return shipping? The prices at the local dance store, uh, dancewear store seem expensive, but it's nice to be able to try the shoes on before buying them. Um, yeah, I, I tend to buy ballet shoes, point shoes, jazz shoes, anything like that. I typically go to go to the dance store, just especially for like jazz shoes and things like that. I mean, unless you have a really, you know, narrow, medium foot, and you know, you're. I, the specific size eight medium, you know, and you know that you know that anything you try on is, is you know, is eight or seven medium or whatever it is. Um, otherwise, it's really tough. Um, now I have bought um, I have bought shoes online before and have been successful, but it's um, I, I always find it better to get them at the store if at all possible. Um, I'm not familiar with people's policies of who does what. Um, so 
anybody know of any good um, return policies on dance workshops who sell shoes? <clears throat> anybody? I mean, there's so many of them out there now, it's hard to keep them all straight, <laughs> you know, but um, now I'll buy those little, you know, uh, what are they called, the paws, I'll buy the paws online because, you know, they have a little foot chart that you stand on, you print it out and you put your foot on this chart and if your toe is over this line, you go a size bigger, if your toe is under the line, then you get the regular size or whatever, so, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Um, I would also kind of stick with kind of the name brands, Capizior Block, because true, like, I mean, even Walmart sold ballet shoes, so I think, at Target. And, like, I bought my granddaughter some ballet shoes at Target, and they were just not the same as when I got them at the dance store. I mean, she grows out of them like a weed. I mean, she just grows so fast. But, you know, so I thought I was saving some money, but she ended up, they weren't comfortable, they didn't fit right, you know, and it was just like, okay, let's just go to the dance store. Um, so, I mean, I might have only saved, you know, 3 or $4, if that, and, you know, she wasn't, it, they weren't really that good. So, um, it's probably a good idea to go with, the, you know, compete your block. Um, uh, Pastor Lynn, uh, this is yes. Mary, and I'm just going to make a quick suggestion. Uh -huh. uh, some of your dance studios will sell some of the dancers use shoes or the ones they outgrow or their mm. uh, leotards, tights, or whatever. And as they grow out of them, they have usually a resale store. So some of your dance stores, uh, I mean dance studios, may have some of that stuff where you can get it release a fraction of uh, cost if you want wow. to go that route. That's a great idea. I've never seen that, but that would be awesome if somebody could find that. That's really good. Um, I notice we have several more who joined the call. Um, anybody that uh, hasn't been called yet, would you say hello, please? Who's here? Hi, this is Deborah Collier. This Hi, is Maribel. Okay, hold on. Okay, this is Deborah Collier. Welcome to the call. And I heard Maribel. Hi, Maribel. Welcome. All right. Hello, it's Regina. Oh, good. Welcome to the call. Okay. You know, it's so hard to know sometimes or remember who's in level one and who's in level two. <laughs> I, get them. I keep thinking this one's in level one and this one's in level two. But anyway, um, and who else? This is Carrie Tyer. Oh, hi, Carrie. Good. Welcome to the call. All right. Let's see. She is here. Uh, Cicely Santa. Oh, hi, Cicely. Good. Welcome to the call. I think we did yeah. these questions. You think so? Yeah, because I did that one. I was going to say that too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Okay, it does sound familiar. You know, 
I think they sound familiar to me because I read them all before I put them in the folder. So now I wasn't sure if I already did those or not. Oh my goodness, thank you. Um, all right, let's go. This, all right, let's see. This is Belisha's question. Um, okay, what happened to your first ministry assistants we see in some of your early DVDs, like Annette and Deshaun? Um, did they ever decide to pursue dance as ministry or join the school in the beginning? Do you keep in touch with them? Did I go over that one? I don't think so. I remember reading it, but I don't think I went over that one. Um, yeah, so Deshaun actually lived with me for six years, and the Lord specifically told her to um, serve and help build. I mean, she got a mandate from God to serve and help build Dancy for Him Ministries. And she was my right-hand person for six years. She was such an amazing blessing. I mean, she helped me in the office. She helped me in conferences. She helped me, you know, every time we moved. I mean, <laughs> she just, she did so much. Plus, she was in all the videos, she, or she videotaped the videos. I mean, she was invaluable. I just so appreciate her. But she got married, and she has two children now. And um, I, I don't think she does, you know, really dance ministry. She's kind of more of a full-time mom now and wife. Um, is very happy with that. And um, so it was a, a wonderful season to, to have her. Now, Nanette, um, she and I were in the Ron Cannoli video sing out together. Um, she came to the audition, and, <clears throat> and she and I were both in it, and we made friends back then. I think that was like in 1996. And then when I moved to Lakeland, Florida, I went to the Florida Dance Theater um, to take ballet classes, and I took company classes in the morning. And lo and behold, she and um, um, another girl that I knew from a while back were there at the class. And they said, oh, hi, what's your name? I said, I'm Lynn Hayden. She said, Are, you're the Lynn Hayden? I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Nanette? Oh, my gosh. I mean, so, and so then she ended up coming to my church, and we were just, you know, great friends and did videos together and did class together. And, you know, so it was really cool. But she's still down in Lakeland, and she has her own studio. She has a Christian dance studio, and she teaches mostly ballet, you know, and um, has recitals every year. And she's, she's been doing that for years and years and years. She's got a very successful um, uh, dance, uh, Christian dance studio, although it's not like in a studio. It's kind of an after-school program. And then they have a big, you know, presentation at the end of the year and all that. So um, anyway, so that's where they are. And, yes, we still keep in touch. Um, Deshaun calls every now and then or whenever she's about to have a baby or, or when she has a baby or something. And, and uh, Nanette came up for the little intensive that we had um, in uh, February or March or whenever it was this year. So, um, yeah, so we still keep in touch now and then. So they were very, very special. I so appreciate all their help. Um, okay, this is uh, Wendy Smith's question. I'm not sure if this is a chat question or not. I was wondering if, as a future Level 2 student, could we pick our AP for the next year if we know an alumni that we would feel would be already is being a great encouragement to us. Um, what I would suggest for that is Level 1 students 
if you want a particular AP next year, I would communicate with that particular AP person um, because it's the level two and alumni that are going to communicate with Raina, um, you know, about AP stuff. So um, if you're specifically interested in somebody, I would contact them and let them contact Renee. Uh, I'm sorry, Rena. Um, otherwise, it you know be too much for Rena. Um, it'd be too confusing. So, if you want a particular AP, contact them, and then they can talk to Rena. Um, <clears throat> okay. This is Barbara Sips's question. What action is correct to use when you have three very good dancers that did not show up for four practices in a row? And when they returned, there was a don't care attitude which came along with them. We're rehearsing for the anniversary program. We have about four more practice times left. So I was thinking about letting them do flags and perhaps billow activations because the dance has many parts and I feel they would not be able to learn it well enough to minister. I am afraid perhaps that they may decide not to show up for the same um, I'm afraid perhaps they may decide not to show for the sum of the remain practice days and they may feel they are entitled to dance for the program. I really don't feel it's fair to the ones that put their time and heart in this program to allow them to come in when they don't care attitude. Wow. Okay, let's see. Who comes? Who? Um, I think somebody else just came on the line. Is there someone there that just came on that hasn't said hello yet? Yes, I just came in. Welcome in. This is Mary. Oh, Hill. Mary. Hi. Welcome. Okay. Oh, welcome. Thank you. Alrighty. Um, well, Mary, while I've got you, <laughs> while I'm talking with you, <laughs> what would you do in that situation where they, they're good dancers, but they mixed, missed four practice times, and then when they came back, they had a not really they, like a don't care attitude. How would you one, handle that? One thing, I have a problem with the don't care attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if they truly have a don't care attitude, that is not the attitude of a of an of a true dancer. There mm-hmm. should there should be humility. There should be order. They could be the best dancers in the whole world, but uh, if they have that attitude themselves, it's that's not a ministry. It's not dancing for for a club, or it's not dancing for. Um, for the world, it's, it's not secular. So the attitude yeah. itself, whether you are the best, whether you are the only one, if you cannot even minister to God, if you cannot minister to yourself, if you cannot respect the authority that is the dance leader, I truly don't believe that you should be able to dance. And yeah. that is me. I am very strict in that. Um mm-hmm. Doesn't matter whether you know the dance or whether you don't know the dance or whatever it is. What attitude are you bringing? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll even allow them to use a flag. Whether they want to come or not, it is a ministry. That's the way I say it. it's a ministry. It's not sure. Right. Not sure. Mhm. Exactly. <laughs> so, 
So how would you, like, handle it? Would you just say, you know, we, we don't want any bad attitude here and you have to sit down? Or would you, like she suggested, would you give them flags to do uh, since there's no time really for them to learn choreography? Or how would you actually handle it? How would I handle it? I, first of all, I would handle the attitude itself. And I know I mean, if they had a genuine reason of not being there, uh, right. that would be something else. But I would just tell them, I mean, if they are not available, I mean, if they were not available for whatever reason and they come with an attitude, I would not allow them to dance. Myself, right. I would not allow them. I would just mm -hmm. use who are available, those who are willing, and those who are ready to minister. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's good. Thank you. Um, anybody else want to share real quick? Hi, this is Deborah Collier. Um, I, you know, as we said uh, in previous talks that, you know, each ministry has rules and regulations, and those should be pointed out to them, you know, remind, you know, remind them of other rules and regulations. But what stands out to me is, like, they owe the ministry an apology. They're like, they're, because they come in with this attitude, it's like, um, you know, we're superstars and you're nobody, and they owe the ministry an apology because that, when when people decide that they're not going to come, it sets the ministry back. So right. I, I personally don't think that they deserve to dance. I think that they have a spirit and a attitude that needs to be brought down a step. I think that it needs to be discussed, but I don't think that they should dance because there's no superstars. The only superstar is our Lord. You know, there's no, you know, there's no, you know, I'm better than you. It's not about that. It's about it's about the ministry. So yeah, I just think that they need um, a little time just to reflect and um, sit back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good. You're right. And then they'll think twice about it. Perhaps. Amen. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is Katie Friesen's question. Um, when working with every different age, race, and belief groups, how can you, the group leader, put a piece together for the Lord without seeing the other people? Do you straight out come out with here is what I believe and nothing else matters, or do you compromise to keep peace? Hmm. I'm wondering, um, she's not on the line. I'm wondering if she's teaching in a secular setting, it sounds like. Um, uh, I mean, I can't imagine if you're teaching in a church that you'd have that problem. So she must mean, you know, about teaching in the community or something like that. So, does anybody have any suggestions on, uh, you know, how she should um, teach? And let's see, is she putting, she's putting a piece together. So apparently she's been asked to choreograph probably in a community setting of some sort. So um, what would be an appropriate uh, way for her to handle that, knowing that she's a Christian but she's working with a lot of other people in this secular setting, that's my guess. Um, does anybody have any suggestions? Let's see. Who can I call on? Um, how about Regina? Regina, how would you handle that if you're asked to? It seems like we've talked about this too, but um, how would you handle if uh, 
you were asked to photograph something in a secular setting, um, what kind of music and how would you handle it? Well, um, I I guess I would ha- I would have to know if they're asking me to to also dance to a secular song or to a Christian or gospel song. Um, because at the end of the, in the end of the day, it would be for me. I would have to know: is it going to glorify God, regardless if it's in a secular setting? Um, so I guess we'd have to try to get clarification on what exactly they would want, and if they're allowing me to choreograph a dance in a secular setting that can't be a Christian song, um, then I would find a song as close possible that's a secular song that's still a gospel song <laughs> if yes. you know what I mean yes. I would I would still want to bring um the presence of the Lord to the situation so. exactly exactly yeah like like that song that came out a couple of years ago that just went viral is that song called happy and I mean that was a Christian who sang that and you know it was um a, a Christian um, theme, you know, love, joy, peace, like the fruit of spirit, or whatever. But um, you know, there's a situation where somebody took um, a secular market and put Christian, you know, concepts and lyrics and whatnot, and it, I mean, it just went viral. It's, it's such a catchy song. But anyway, yeah, you want to give glory to the Lord and get specific, you know, what they're what they want. And um, you wouldn't want to compromise your faith. Um, I mean, they're asking you to do a quote-unquote secular song, um, and that doesn't sit well with your spirit. You might have to decline doing the Exactly. Class. You know, I mean, you have to um, just see what the Lord wants in that situation, you know, because I wouldn't want to do something that would compromise my integrity or, you know, Christian walk or anything like that. So Exactly. Um, yeah. So All right. Um this Pastor Wick, hi, this is Deborah Collier again. Um and, and you know what, those opportunities to you know, I think God arranges God arranges everything. And I think sometimes those opportunities are predestined so that we can minister to the unsaved. You know, we get that invitation. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we do need to go there. Sometimes we don't need to entertain. Sometimes we have to put ourselves, we have to go in there and we have to minister. And, I mean, some people may be offended, but there's going to be one or two people that that do say, wow, what must I do to be saved? So it's it's like we can't choose, pick and choose our audiences. If we get an invitation, we tell them what we this is how I, what I do, and this is and this is what to expect. I'm not going to change for you know this, but this is I'm not going to change for the occasion. But this I we minister to the Lord, and if they still want my group or whoever to go on, then do what we do and do mm-hmm. it as we can. That's the way I feel. Oh yeah, no, that's that's excellent too. Yeah, just um, yeah, and you'd be surprised how many people really appreciate it. You know, there's so many hurting people in the world. They they're just. I mean, our pastor's wife spoke today, and um, she was talking about simple evangelism, basically, and how to do it. And you know, you meet somebody or whatever, and and say, is there anything? What can I pray for you about? You know, and then they, like, open up with all this 
stuff that they're going through. And, you know, do you mind if I pray for you? You know, so she, she kind of drilled that into us. Okay, number one, is there something I can pray for you about? And, you know, do you mind if I pray for you <laughs> or can I pray for you? And um, she went over that back and forth. And, you know, the, she, the point she was making was that not to be afraid of standing up for who you are in Christ because, um, you know, in a loving way, not in a, you know, you know you're going to die and go to hell if you don't accept Jesus kind of, you don't want to do that. But in a loving way, offer Jesus, and so many people are so grateful. And, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for praying for me, or whatever. Thank you for doing this dance that really, they wouldn't know the right words to say, that really touched my heart maybe, or, you know, that really meant something to me, you know. So you're definitely planting seeds. So, yeah, every situation you have to pray about and weigh it out, you know, see what God wants. But, um yeah. Pastor Lynn, this is Regina again. I don't want to harp on this question, but I just wanted to say this. The reason I said that I would, um, even if they wanted a secular song, I would still do it, but try to find a song that still, even though it was a secular song, like you said, it, it still spoke, a, a, gave a message, a positive message, because Deborah's exactly right. God sets up situations, and we shouldn't back down just because of a, it's secular, because that's where we need to be, <laughs> you know? Right. My my groups we've been dancing in the mall recently, and if you can't get any more secular than that, but right. they the only really guidelines that they gave us is we can't mention our church, but that's fine. We're still bringing gospel songs and we're still dancing and and right. and doing the things that we have to do to glorify God and to cause people to be drawn to the Lord. So I, yeah. I want to encourage people: don't necessarily walk away from a situation because they say yes, it, it has to be a secular song. Right, right, exactly. Um, yeah, and, thank you. And, and this is Deborah again. I just want to say, and I just want to encourage everybody that we have to take this this gift that we have, and we have to take it outside the church as at any opportunity that we get to parks, to nursing homes, wherever. <laughs> I mean, to youth groups, wherever. We have to get out there, and we have to spread spread the word through dance, and it's such mm-hmm. a powerful powerful, powerful tool. I've seen people come to Christ multiples and multiples of times. So we just have to go, we have to get out whenever we can, get out of out of the church environment and just go out into the streets. Jesus wants us to go out and bring the people in. And people have, this is such a powerful tool. It really, really is. It really is. It's true. It is. Dr. Lynn. Uh-huh. Can, can I say one more thing? I know we need to move on soon, but I just this is Carrie. I just want to say um, possibly, too, you could use, a, figure out if there's supposed to be a theme of some kind, and then, you know, if it's a universal theme uh, that applies to everyone from here uh, can relate to, you know, maybe use a, a, even a medley of songs, some secular, mm-hmm. some, um, you know, biblical, scriptural, uh, Christian songs. You could use a movie scores. You can use instrumental and just, you know, just do a medley um, mm-hmm. of songs, and um, you know, you, you can touch people's hearts that way, probably. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I want to interject here. Um, it's so so exciting. You know, I had the um, um, opportunity to do a dance dream conference at the Secular Dance Studio where I take classes. Um, they're wonderful, wonderful people there, and um, you know, it's not a bad studio or anything like that. It's a wonderful studio. 
Um, but they allowed me to do a dance term conference there, and they actually want a liturgical dance, um, you know, class. They want that regularly, which my dance leader from my church is, is working on, and I'm going to just fill in whenever I can. Um, but anyway, so they have their winter show, which is called Makulu, and it is an African folklore, folktale, about, um, it's all about animals and the wildebeest and their journey across the Serengeti and all the, the zebras and the, you know, because so, there's little kids and there's some adults and, you know, it's just, but it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful performance. I saw it last year. Well, anyway, um, they created, get this, they created a part for me. And, I mean, I knew I was going to be in the show, but I didn't know, you know, I figured I'll join the group, you know, I didn't know. I was going to be the, the ancestor, or the you know the the mothers of the of the wildebeest or whatever you know. And um, we do a real simple you know group thing. But not only did they give me a solo, but I'm opening the whole show. And get this: the artistic director said, "We want you when you come forth." The lights are going to come on. You're going to be the only one dancing, and we want you to bless the stage, pray for the dancers, pray for the audience. We want you to set the spiritual atmosphere for the entire show. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I was just so excited. I mean, and it's because I was willing to, you know, it was a little scary to take the step and, you know, have a ministry conference in that, in a secular studio and, you know, lots of prayer, you know, a lot of intercession, you know, went around and everything. But one of the results is that, you know, they, they recognize that, you know, there's something to this Christianity. There's something to this Jesus. And, um, and we want you to bless the, the whole thing, <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. So my part is to open the show as as a blessing, you know, as I thought, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> so um, but it's December 6th. If you all want to come down and, you know, have a winter vacation in Florida, <laughs> it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful show. But um, I was really blessed. Uh, so anyway, all right, um, this is – Donna Cormier's question. I will be talking to my pastor this week about two sisters who have expressed interest in flag worship. We are in a small traditional church building with very limited space up in the altar area. Any tips or ideas that could get that could help us get started as a team, even as far as basic worship garments, which I believe neither has. Um, <clears throat> Okay, so there's not much room, um, and she wants to get the team started, um, even as far as basic, basic garments, which I believe neither of them have. So um, I guess, you know, if the pastors expressed interest, then you want to talk with them about setting a, a time or a day that you could get together and have practices, and then once you're settled on that and you've lock down all the logistics, you know, about opening the doors and locking the doors and who's going to be there and what time and all those logistics, then um, you'd want to put some kind of announcement in the bulletin or have somebody announce it from the pulpit, you know, that, hey, we're going to start, 
flag practices or dance practices in such and such time or whatever. And um, now as, and then just kind of see who comes. Plus, you probably have an idea just by knowing who's in your congregation. You probably can kind of tell who might be interested, so you might want to even approach them personally. And um, as far as costumes um, or garments, um, those no-so, that no-so material is very, very easy to just cut out um, to make an overlay. Uh, You just, you know, fold the material in half and cut a hole, you know, for the neck and maybe um, sew or pin little ties on the side. It's, It's very, very easy to make those and you know, everybody's got a pair of black pants probably and maybe a black shirt, a long sleeve shirt or, you know, something like that to wear underneath or white, you know, pants and a shirt, something like that. Just something simple to get started with. Um, and then as far as not having much room, you may have to put one flag in one corner, one flag in another corner and one in the very center of the front or something like that or maybe even down the center aisle, but being very, very, very careful not to hit people into the pews. Um, so um, those are just some basic, really basic tips. But that sounds exciting. It's, it's wonderful. The pastor is, is for it. Um, let's go ahead and move on. Okay, this is Marianella's question. When you dance, do you face the congregation or the altar? Um, I would say that there's no right or wrong. Um, I used to do both. And the only reason I used to face the um, I used to face the altar was so that I could see the words in the overhead Um, because I usually choreographed on the spot, especially if there was a new song, I would make up movements. I knew, you know, the team was following me. So I would try to repeat my movements, but in order to interpret it correctly, I would need to see the words of the song. That's the only reason I had my back to the audience and was facing the worship team. Plus it kind of, makes the congregation feel comfortable like as as if they could participate with us. On the other hand, once we kind of had the moves for a certain song, um, like once we did it spontaneously and I made it up while I was looking at the words, um, it became the choreography for that particular praise song. And so when that song would come on, you know, like in a week or two, we would then turn and face the congregation and dance. Um, then we become part of the worship team. And so the dancers and the singers went before the troops, you know, and so we're like part of the worship team helping to usher in the presence of the Lord. So it's okay to face the people and it's okay to have your back to them. So whatever you're comfortable with, either way is fine. There's there's no right or wrong Um I think sometimes when you're facing the altar area um, and if you're, you know, sometimes it encourages the congregation to dance with you if, you know, if you're so inclined Um, or if you want to encourage them to dance with you with your backs to them, one, they can follow easily and two, they would feel more comfortable following along. Um, Oh, wow. This is a very good question. Let's take it from the level two page. Okay. This is Regina's question. Let's see. She's taking something from level two page. Uh, oh, that's my answer. What's the question? Okay. Um, approximately how many people are actually licensed by Dance for Him, and what does the license entitle you to? Um, just about everybody that went through level two um, 
got licensed. I think over the last four years or however long the school has been in existence, I think only two people did not choose to be licensed. And that's because they were already either ordained or licensed by their pastors in their church. So it was not necessary. They didn't feel like they needed it. But everybody else wanted it. So in fact, this year, or maybe next year, I think it was this year, I can't remember when I decided, but um, you know, rather than doing a certificate and a license, the we're going to start just doing the license, and those that don't want the license will get a certificate instead. So, um, you know, because everybody wanted the license. So it, it just seems redundant to print two pieces of paper. You know, one says certificate of, um, certificate of um, uh, dance minister, a dance minister certificate of completion, or it would be a dance minister's license showing that you've completed the course. I mean, it's almost, it's very similar wording, except one says license and one says, um, um, I can't remember, um, (coughs) dance minister's um, certificate or something. I can't remember now. I'm just, I'm drawing a blank. But they're very similar to each other. So it doesn't make sense to like print two certificates for the same thing. So so starting next year, I guess I'm going to stick with just the license and anybody who doesn't want one, then they would just get a certificate. So um, whereas the last several years, I've worded it so everybody gets a certificate and if anybody wanted to get licensed, they can get, you know, the license certificate. But because um, I assumed that, you know, only a handful would want to be licensed, but um, it seemed like everybody wanted the license and nobody really cared about the certificate. So anyway, so I'm going to reverse kind of the wording with that and eliminate having to print two certificates for everybody. <laughs> so, um, but what does it mean to be licensed through dancing for him? I'm just going to kind of look at these notes just to remind myself. This is taken from the level two information page. Um, <clears throat> okay, primarily it means Uh, It is a means by which you can prove accountability and a deeper level of understanding and ability as a dance minister. It carries a little more weight than just the certificate of completion. Um, Dance for Him then becomes sort of your dance ministry covering, um, never to supersede your home church's covering, but as a secondary prayer covering and a place where you may turn for help with your dance ministry. Uh, there will be greater covenant relationship with Dance for Him and Pastor Lynn. Um, with that, please keep in touch. Um, let Pastor Lynn know uh, now and then what you've been up to with regard to your ministry. Um, because you'll be closely connected to Dance for Him, you, will ser- you would serve like a deacon in a church would. Ways you can serve are like reading current student essays and watching video uploads, making positive comments, continuing to be accountability partner, or maybe help run the camera when she's producing new videos or help me in the videos or help Pastor Lynn uh, with online projects to facilitate the growth of Dance for Him, like on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, iTunes, etc. Um, help promote the ministry through social media, uh, host Dance for Him conferences, sell Dance for Him com- products at your workshops, sell Dance for Him products on your website, Continue to visit the Dance Room Facebook page and make comments or sharing events and such. As the Lord seeds, feed no obligation offerings into dancing for him. So it's basically a, a covenant relationship and you're, you're 
like it says, kind of like a deacon in the church. There's no obligation for anything, but it's just like in, when you're in covenant relationship, you just want to help serve. So um, that's kind of what that is. And it gives you that extra measure of credibility when you go out to minister or something, yes, I'm licensed through Dancing for Him. You know, Dance for Him has been around for 20 years. Um, it's, you know, a household name in a lot of ministries. And so, you know, it, it just um, lends credibility to your ministry and whatnot. So that's, um, that's kind of what it means to be licensed. <laughs> so um, anyway, all righty. Um, let's see. All right, this is... Um, Valeska's question. I have dance practice two times a week. Some people are just hard to get the steps, and I know that we need to have patience, but sometimes it's too much. I ask them to practice at home, but they are just too lazy. It's really annoying, and I get frustrated because it seems to me like they don't care much about it. How can I overcome this feeling of giving up on them? Wow. Okay, who would like to talk about that. Um, how about Maribel? Why don't you um, kind of speak to that, if you don't mind, please. Um, so somebody doesn't get the steps, they don't want to practice, and she wonders how to overcome this feeling of not giving or wanting to give up on them. One of the things I yes, I'm here. One of the things I like to do is is encourage the team. Um, Maybe they're going through things, or maybe they have a lot of things in their plate that they're not realizing that they're not putting um, the most the important time to practices. it's hard because you don't want to discourage them, but yet you want to teach them that how important it is to not only represent themselves, the Lord, their church, their ministry is very important that they know right. that, that it's not just, you know, they're not performing. This is ministry and how serious they are about it. You know, try to encourage them and say, okay, where's your passion? What is it you like? And, and bring them back to when they first started. That's, that's uh-huh. what I would do. Yeah. No, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if there's anything that would, you know, like during dance team practice times, what would be a good thing to do on a regular basis to kind of encourage each other? Um, one of, sorry, one of the things yeah, that, that we do is um, we, like when we do it at the studio um, with Pastor Arena. She, um, when we first come in, we're, we come, we go in and we just soak in the presence of God. She'll mm-hmm. have worship music in there. And that's what mm-hmm. I, I've learned from her to, like, allow them to, before they even start anything, just, you know, leave everything behind, get in here and soak with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And just have them listen to music and just have a breakthrough right there if they need, yeah. if need be just soak in the Lord and in his presence. That way they get encouraged. They'll, they'll get whatever it is that they need, you know, yeah. in, that, in that moment. And that will give them a, like, like a little push to like, like press, press through and whatever it is that's not allowing them to practice or 
at least that will help them. Like, oh, my God, I love it. I Oh, this is what I love to do. What's going on with me? Why? You know, maybe that'll just click. Something might click. Right, right, exactly. No, that's excellent. Thank you. Um, all right, this is um, Shakira's question. Have any of the students traveled out of their country on a missions trip with their dance ministries? If so, how has this impacted you and or your team? Um, have any of you traveled out of the country? Um, I have, Kathleen. Who? Maribel? Yeah, it wasn't uh, my church dance ministry, but we did go with uh, Buwak and uh, Pastorina, Mm -hmm. and it was really um, Mm life-changing for me and for my daughter. Um, Uh I believe that God just um, stretched me there. And what I expected was more than more than what I had in mind. It was just it was an absolute it was a challenge for me at first getting pre- preparing myself for it. But when I got there, it was just like oh my goodness, God is so amazing. God totally blessed our obedience and our willingness to just believe in Him that much that He will use you in anything, in area any area. And being there with the team allow me to see the giftings that are in them even more than what I saw in in the studio. Like, there mm. were things that I saw there that they did. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I didn't know you can do that. Or, or wow, how the Lord, you, it was just a beautiful experience with all the, the team there. That was my experience going to St. Martin in July. It was just it was beautiful. It was. It was for me, my daughter, and I know the team felt the same way, and we truly saw the glory of God there. Wow. Glory, God. So awesome. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Somebody else has started to say, who was that? This is Regina. I I want I've actually been on a couple of mission trips outside of the country, but I wanted to speak specifically to the one that I had in the DR. it was so amazing to me, and it it was humbling because we had one location that we went through that was a church, but it wasn't a church with walls. It had two benches, and they had, like, the sound system and stuff set on, like, a table, and that was it. And people were just standing. And as wow. we were worshiping, and I didn't really know because this was my very first mission trip, what mm-hmm. attire I needed to wear or anything. Right. And I had on a, a white skirt with my white dance shoes, mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my dance garments, and there's, we're on the, there's dirt, just the dirt, and it started to rain. Oh, And no. nobody moved. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Not, oh, my gosh. I'm that the fact that it's raining. I'm going to dance, yeah. and so I'm black. Wow. I don't care. But it was so humbling to me that, you know, in the States, you're like, okay, it's raining, I can't drive to church. Right, and we have right. to standing in the rain to receive the gospel. And I was oh just like, wow. <laughs> so wow. it was very humbling. Every since then, every time I go, I, I, I actually get ministered to, even though we're going to minister, I receive okay. so much from, from the people in the different country because it's almost like their faith is bigger than ours, right. <laughs> you know? It, uh, it's amazing. it's amazing. Yeah, it's and so to go, go. <laughs> mm. My goodness. 
Yeah, just it's a humbling, humbling experience. Um, um, okay, this is Denise Cornish's question. She says, um, who decides the theme and title for the Dance Room Workshop? I do. <laughs> you know, I pray about um, each and every conference and pray about the theme and pray about the artwork. And, and that's, that's like my favorite pastime is my so another creative outlet that I really like to do is create those posters. And um, so that's um, something I like to do. And it's, yeah, you know, I could give it to a designer, give it to somebody else to do, but I just, I really like to pray about it and get a vision for it and, and start and work on it. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, and it's, it's funny how, you know, I say, gosh, I've been doing this for 20 years. You would think that I would start repeating titles or something, you know, but it's always something different. <laughs> I mean, the Lord always gives me something new, something fresh, and so that's kind of exciting. Um, <clears throat> okay, this is Abigail's question. I have seen several different meet. Oh, this is really good. I remember reading this before. I mean, she should post this somewhere. Um, Oh, maybe it wasn't this one. There was something else she wrote that was really good. Um, oh, anyway, okay. I have seen several different meanings to the color black in various books and websites. Most are negative, but I was surprised to find some meanings that could be seen as positive. The negative meanings of black are death, disease, famine, sorrow, judgment, evil, mourning, humiliation, humiliation affliction, calamity. On the other hand, I've seen black as primordial primordial color of creation, the color of Joseph, Ephraim, and Manasseh's tribal stone and flag, which is the double blessing, onyx in this case. Black is the result of fire, God's consuming fire, making black a picture of the fleshly nature of man burned away, a dying in a positive sense. Black is God's thundering voice, creating beauty from the ashes of repentance. Black is saying, I need you, God, and denounces our independence from God. I have also seen that black is the color representing the prophetic. I'm not sure what that means, but the question is, what are examples of how people have used the color black in, in prophetic dance? Has anyone ever used it representing something other than negative? Um, I've seen it used uh, as like thunder, um, you know, the, the voice of God thunders. I have seen that with a black cloth. Um, and then there was silver billow on the other side of the cloth. In other words, there was like two people holding a billow cloth and one side was black and the other side was silver. So one was like the, the voice of God thunders and then the silver was like his redemption or something related to the song. But has anybody else seen or heard of any uses for black that are positive? That was a really good explanation of it. <clears throat> um, is there anybody else that came on the line by any chance that hasn't said hello yet? thought I might have seen somebody else on the line. Hi, Pastor Lynn. This is Pat Dyer. Who? Oh, Patricia Dyer? Yes. Oh, okay. Hey, welcome to the all right. Hi, Pastor Lynn. This is Allison. Oh, Allison. Hey, welcome to the call. Yay. Um, anybody else that uh, 
hasn't said hello yet? I think that's everybody. Okay. Um, this is Denise Salo's question. Uh, when uploading uh, our videos, how do we let our AP know that we have uploaded the file? Um, you're, you put their name kind of in the comment section um, or right next to the title. But when you put the name, you have to make sure that it pops up. Like, um, it, you know how like you start to type somebody's name and it like highlights, it'll show you a couple, uh, you know, with the same name or something, and you pick the certain one that you want. Um, but you have to make sure that you click on that particular one so it lights up, and then it's kind of highlighted. Um, and it shows, it usually shows their first and last name. So if you just typed in Debbie or something and it didn't light up or didn't have the last name or it wasn't highlighted or something, then um, it probably won't get to her. Um, so that's, that's how you do that. I think you put it next to the title when you upload it. Um, and then if, you know, just to be on the safe side, if you want to put it in your own comments section underneath it, you know, just in case it didn't work out the other way. Um, and then, of course, you could always email them and let them know, say, hey, it's up. But, you know, typically you want to um, go ahead and highlight their name next to it, and then it'll, they'll get an email saying, you know, that so-and-so just sent a, uh, uploaded a video, and it'll have their name on it. Um, all right, this is uh, Carrie Tyre's question. I've seen some effective worship dancer, dances on YouTube using men and women where there is some limited contact during the dance to express the words of the song. My husband says that there should be no contact between men and women in a worship dance unless they are married. What has been others' experiences and what do you recommend? I know this is probably going to be all over the board and we don't have all night to discuss. So, um, Let's just hear from a couple people um, what you feel about that or what you've experienced or what you've seen maybe that may be appropriate or inappropriate um, about that. So um, how about Allison? Uh, we haven't heard from you tonight. So what do you think about that? Men and women dancing together who are not husband and wife in a, a contact kind of form. Um, I think that, hold on a second. Okay, um, I think uh, I think it's okay. Um, I just think you have to be very particular about understanding uh, the uh, presentation and thoughts of others. So I think the contact uh, it should not be a close uh, contact. And um, and uh, and in general, uh, we want to uh, keep those things in mind. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't want to allow the enemy to to inject any kind of uh, distractions, whether it's coming between the dancers or with the other people who are doing some other thinking, because that's what he's doing. He's just sitting there waiting to interfere with what's going on. So I just mm-hmm. think that um, we just need to be uh, careful and be aware of that mm-hmm. and make sure that the contact is not very close contact. Right. Yeah, I um, saw the video that she was talking about, and it was lovely choreography. I mean, it was really beautiful. It was three couples, um, three men and three ladies, I believe, um, and they were dancing, and there was a lot of contact. You know, it was it was a very creative dance, 
And I would say in a secular setting, I wouldn't think twice about it. It was like, oh, beautiful choreography. But it was a Christian dance in a, well, I guess it's on a stage. must have been a church-type setting. And the first thing that went through my mind was, oh, I wonder if they're married, <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> it was like they were hovering over each other and, you know, draping themselves over each other and, you know, laying, you know, on somebody's shoulder and, you know, like an embrace and, you know, showing God's love and things like that. I mean, it's, it's lovely, but you know, the the Bible says that we shouldn't have an appearance of evil and not that it's evil, bad, like, you know, sin or anything like that. But the the whole point of that scripture is like, you know, you don't want to, you don't want people to wonder. And it's like the, the first thing that went through my mind when I was seeing that dance, aside from, oh, nice choreography, was, hmm, I wonder if they're married. They look like they're married. And, and so I was justifying it because I thought they were married. But come to find out, they're not. And so then it's like, hmm, you know, I wonder what's going on. So, see, that's the appearance of evil. It's like not that it's bad or that they're doing something wrong, but it's the appearance of, you know, so so we don't know. And so I would say, I mean, this is just me based on that, um, I would try to avoid that kind of, loving kind of embraces and things like that because it leaves room for question and doubt. Um, I mean, there's so many other ways to be creative with six people than to have that kind of contact between men and women. So, I mean, that's, that's just me. Um, does anybody else want to share about Pastor that? Lynn, may, may, may I interject also, Pastor Lynn? Uh-huh. Can you yeah. hear me? Um, yes. I think that also um, because in order to get choreography choreography uh, to be, uh, we have to practice over and over. And I think that um, that just that's just provocative, you know, naturally provocative. And uh, it, it just it just leaves a window that wasn't mm-hmm. intentional, didn't mean it, you know. Right. And, it, and, I, and you know, I just think that we have to be aware of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Anybody else want to share? Terry, do you want to share? Um, I don't think so. I, I've uh, you clarified it very well, Pastor Lynn. Um, okay. And you were talking about close contact. I guess I would, my mind was thinking back to the creative worship video DVD where you know you have all the group members standing in very close proximity and yeah. doing something all together as a group, but they're not really touching each other. No, and, you know, I, I think, you know, that's okay. And mm-hmm. um, I guess the particular video, you know, you watched it, and mm-hmm. I, I thought it was beautiful when I first saw it, you know, and, the, you know, the, what you're describing was accurate as far as, you know, a brief embrace and everything. Um, yeah. And, but I thought it was beautiful that when I showed it to my husband, he's like, uh, no, I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> So right. that's yeah. why this question began to arise in my mind. You know, if I ever in the future get any male dancers, um, you know, what can I, what boundaries should I have? So um, this has been, you know, very helpful mm-hmm. uh, me anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, okay, let's move on. This is Diane Gallipo's question. Um, how would you suggest handling someone who causes drama, gossip, slandering? others on the dance team. 
it is sad, but it happens this way. Can you pray for this person? They are going through blah, blah, blah. And then they tell everyone. It's not happening on the team now, but it has in the past. Um, so how do you nip that in the bud? Um, let's see. Who haven't we heard from? Uh, Marcy, we haven't heard from you tonight. Um, how do you think you would nip something like that in the bud? You know, somebody who's gossiping about others under the guise of prayer. Like I say, I think I said that in the point book. Um, or one of those books. I think it was I think it was in the point book. Um but anyway, yeah, so they say, Oh, did you hear what sister so and so did? You know, we really need to pray for this one. And uh, you know, they they disguise um gossip under um, you know, the guise of prayer. So how do you handle how would you handle somebody like that? Well, that's um that's really pretty sticky because we think, quote, unquote, that if we know all the details, we can pray better, but mm-hmm. that's not so, and it's really, you know, that I think you just have to say, you know what, God knows the situation, right. and this is, this is what we do. We pray for this. We have a person's name, and God, you know it, so let's just keep it at that because otherwise... It's gossip, and that's God doesn't call us gossip; He calls us to pray. So right. we should, you know, I would pray in the spirit and just, you know, God take over, and let's just keep personal informational information personal. You know, mm-hmm. prayer by name, but not but what's going on. And if they're doing that, then just say, you know what, this is not, you know, find something in Scripture that says what it is that they're doing without making it seem like we're pulling out and just focusing on the ones that are gossiping, you know, figure out a way mm-hmm. to do it with scripture to just pray and let God deal with the details. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, anybody else have any ideas on how to deal with somebody who does a lot of gossip? Kathleen? Mhm. This is Maribel. Um, given that situation, if 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 it if it would happen, um, putting yourself in that situation would make them think. Um, I maybe saying something like, you know, if that was me, I would want no one to put myself out there like that, or mm-hmm. I would feel really bad if someone would talk or say my stuff if I would trust them. Mm-hmm. If I trusted somebody and for them to say my stuff to other people, then that would really hurt me. That would really hurt me and, and definitely will hurt God. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to love each other. So right. maybe to encourage them or, or, or even ask them, well, how would you feel if someone would, you know, in a loving way, you know, use the cookie method. You know, how mm-hmm. would you feel if someone would, you know, bring your stuff out like that or, like when Marty mm-hmm. said, you know, we don't need the details. Let's just pray and nip it right there. Yeah. Once they know you nip it right there, it's like okay, they won't because you know it's like what some people will say. If you, you know, someone will come with stuff. Definitely, they will take stuff with them to talk somewhere right. else. So don't give mm-hmm. them the opportunity to take 
any any of your comments to the other person and switching. Right, right. Yeah. Personal. Personal. Yes. Personal. I like to to, uh, make it uh, a little uncomfortable to, or or not as enjoyable to make deposits on me. So, for instance, um, I would uh, uh, make, you know, make a comment in a positive way in, in that. Like, oh, well, let's pray. You know, like you can like even interrupt them before they get into these. Oh my goodness, that sounds serious. Let's pray about it. And God knows right. the details. And you have to be like really careful too, because here you have the person who uh, may or may not have the intent of just truly praying, or may have the intent of of carrying information. Um, mm-hmm. You don't want to offend them too, but you want to gently uh, correct them in love. So um, mm-hmm. I would I would I would more uh, I would be more creative and about uh, oh wow okay well let's let's do this or if there if there's a conversation um, I try to say positive things about uh, the person like if they say something like did you see oh my gosh her her short her skirt was just too short way too short and then I'd say something like oh yeah sometimes I I realized that and I didn't even know it because when I bend over that's when I know ooh how really short that skirt is you know mm-hmm. and just, just make it make it in that way. I think that that's great. Mhm. Yeah. No, that's good. Thank you. I I remember um my church that I went to back in the nineties. Um, there there was a lot of gossip going around, and my pastor finally got up from the pulpit, and he was like, "Okay, if somebody comes to you and they want to share X Y Z about a person, he just I mean he he was pretty well fed up with it, and he said, you know, just Cover your ears and start to walk away. Say, mm, I do not need to hear that. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, it was it was serious gossip, and you know, there were several people in the church who were doing it. And so he said, just cover your ears and say, I do not need to hear this, and, and mm-hmm. walk away. You know, and that yeah. stops in their tracks. I mean, that's that's a little rough. You know, I mean, especially if they're trying to do it with prayer. You know, there's I think there's a maybe a kinder way to do it, like like y'all were saying, just, you know, interrupt, okay, let's pray. You know, we don't need to hear the details, let's pray. You know, so, um, and God will take care of it. So, yeah, now that's good. All right, this is Lisa Heinbach's question. Um, I have prayed and written a ministry vision. Is there a suggestion anyone may have on how to succinctly write the vision? Um, well, I would I would categorize it according to sections, you know, if one part of the vision might be, say, a dance team in the church, you might put a heading, dance team in the church, and then um, if another part might be evangelizing in the community, put the heading, evangelizing in the community. Now, if if the dance team is evangelizing in the community, you may want to just put a larger heading that's uh, called dance team, let's say. You know, so you try to clump things together that relate and then give them headings and, you know, spacing in between or whatever. So um, I don't know how else to say, you know, to organize it, um, but just, you know, whatever's related. Um, And then, you know, um, maybe the history of how, um, where you come from and that kind of thing, and then where you see God taking you kind of as an introduction. So 
so maybe, you know, a little introduction about it or something. And um, then even also a conclusion, you know, it's like, well, you know, believing God has X, Y, Z, and this is what he showed me, and, um, you know, standing in faith believing or something. So you want to try to conclude it somehow as well. Um, that's about the best I can think of for succinctly putting it together. Um, okay, this is Bobby Muncie's question. <coughs> How do I share, what I'm called, share conference information from the Dancy for Him Facebook page? I always go there to look at the information, but I can't seem to find a way to share it. I always go out to another person's page and share it from there. Um, what what I would recommend, what I was really kind of hoping for when I was talking about sharing, and I should have probably gone into more detail about this in the beginning of the school, but, you know, it's, it's, we're almost finished now, but... Um, what I was really hoping for is that people would, you know, kind of join these um, groups that are on Facebook. There's a zillion kind of, you know, flag worship, um, you know, arts in Orlando. There's, you know, the um, IDC. There's um, Liturgical Dance Network. There's, um, you know, I mean, there's a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of, liturgical dance groups on Facebook. And, you know, I guess I was kind of hoping that people would share the Dance for Him information that they see in those groups or in other friends' pages and things like that. Um, And, you know, there may not be a direct share button um, in the actual Dance for Him page. Uh, There should be. Maybe there's not. If there's not an actual share button, well, let's say there is. If there is a share button, then I don't know. It usually will pop up. Um, it will ask you, do you want to share it on your own timeline? Do you want to share it on a friend's timeline? Do you want to share it on a group that you manage? Um, you, could, you could click any of those, and that would be fine. Um, or you could copy and paste the information, just select all, copy the information, and paste it to different groups that you belong to um, in their comment section. And then what I always do is like copy the link of, say, the conference page. Um, like I'll go to dancefriend.com, <clears throat> go to conferences where the um, attend to conferences, for example, and it has all the lists of all the different conferences, and I'll take the URL, I'll take the link up at the very top of the page, select all, copy it, and I'll paste it under the um, little blurb that I might have just copied from the Dance for Him page. And, you know, then click uh, reply or comment or whatever the thing to make it show up on the page is. And then I might copy and paste that whole blurb and put it in another group page. So, you know, I have the link there, which usually shows a picture, and it gives the link so you can go to that, go directly to the Instagram page. Um, And I've got the little blurb. So, like, even if I send out, like, a newsletter or I'll send out, you know, a little information about a conference coming up or something like that, I'll go to the conference page and get the link for the URL for that particular conference 
and put it with the little blurb and copy and paste the whole thing and stick it in a group. So I I probably spent an hour or two going and putting the exact same thing in all these different group pages one day. It took forever. <laughs> and I thought, gosh, if each student took one group and just posted it once, you know, it would be so much easier. Um, so that's kind of what I was for. Not not to have you continually post all my posts your personal page so that your mom and your sister and your brother see it. You know, it's like they're going to get sick of seeing it on their own page, on, you know, your your family's pages and things like that. Um, it was more so to try to share about the Instagram, what's going on and whatnot, in, in group pages online, if that makes sense. So, that's, um, I've got to read some tutorial things uh full pages to make it easier. Um, okay. I think I think some people need to mute because there's mute your phone or star six or something because there's this really weird background noise. Um can some of you mute your phone please? Maybe unmute when you come back on. Ah uh, there. No? Still there. So can you hear me? Can anybody hear me? Hear you. Oh. Yes, I hear you. Oh, Maybe good. somebody who's driving. I wonder if that's somebody who's driving. Oh. Petrolyn, I can hear you. Okay. All right. It's well, better now. It's, it's yeah, it's better. I don't know what happened. I guess it's stopped now. Okay, this is um Ruth Brown's question. I've experienced the powerful activations at the conferences I've attended where there is intimate prophetic ministry and sometimes deep eye-to-eye contact. My question is, how do you handle that differently where there are both men and women involved? Um, Yeah, it it depends on each situation. If you're doing, let's say, a ministry dance in your church, it's like a special. It's, It's a special time in the service where you are asked to do a special and the pastor knows that you're going to do a prophetic dance where you're going to go out to the congregation and you're going to look people in the eye. Um, you know, so everything's under covering, everything's under authority, you know, you're good to go. Okay, so all that aside, let's say that you're ready to do the dance and you're going out and you're ministering and you look somebody in the eye, that's great. And then, you know, you, it's okay to look a man in the eye but I wouldn't stay there for a really long time, you know, and also be mindful of what the words happen to be saying at that moment. Um, I remember, I'll never forget, I ministered to Lee Brundage up in New York way back before he started his flag ministry, and I saw, um, you know, this flag. So I I took, like, this imaginary flag, and I was just, like, waving it over him, um, it was just my hand pretending like I was holding a flag and I was waving my hand over him and I was looking at him and I don't know what the words of the song were at the time, but I was able to minister to him and he was crying and crying and crying. And he, since then, his flag ministry has just, I'm not saying that that was the, you know, I'm sure it was in his spirit for a while, but, you know, his flag ministry has just taken off. I mean, he's just very, very popular way around um, so, you know, when the Spirit of God in you um, ministers to somebody, it's 
you know, and, and you have no agenda, you have no um, sin in your life or anything like that. You know, it's this purity and this holiness and, you know, the spirit of God's working through you to minister to somebody. Um, and I don't think you have to worry about it too much. But if, if the words are saying, and I love you, you're beautiful, you know, you might not want to, you might want to shift and go to somebody else, go to a woman real quick or something, you know, because, I mean, that might just be weird. You know, I mean, just you just have to kind of listen to the words, listen to the Spirit of God, and, um, you know, just be mindful. And I wouldn't necessarily stay there for a long time and look deeply in somebody's eyes like that, um, in, you know, in a guy's eyes. Um, you just have to really be, have discernment and be led by the Spirit. I don't think you should avoid them altogether. You know, I don't think we have to avoid men in the audience. Um you know, because it's it's God working through us. And, you know, as long as we're going out with clean hands and a pure heart and, you know, with pure motives and, you know, there shouldn't, there really should be no problem with it at all. Um, you just have to really be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and, you know, listen to where God wants you and, and really listen to the words of the song so you're not telling some guy you love him or something, you know. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's a very good question. Um, okay, this is Wendy Smith's question. Well, I can't believe this is the last chat question for the year. My question is about level two. Um, I was wondering if and how I could get a look at the level two assignment breakdown by semester. I'm just really curious at how it is broken down and how it is different than level one. I was reading about it, and it was saying that it's more work. Oh, I wrote that? <laughs> I wrote, oh, it's more work. No, um, anyway. So I need to be really be praying and planning ahead. Um, well, let me put you at ease. I, I'm not so sure that it's more work. It's just a little different work. Um, I think in level one, you do like 17 videos or something. And in level two, it's like seven or nine videos, somewhere around there. I mean, it's, it's like a, a lot less videos to look at. Um, I mean, far, far less videos. But instead, you do um, ministry activations to a couple of books. So, and actually, there's only one Dance for Him book. It's the um, um, Dance Church What's the Point. And then two of Pastor Will's books, um, which is uh, Pillars of Leadership and The Worshiping Bride. So, <clears throat> three books. And only maybe seven or eight videos, something like that. I forget how many exactly, but it's a lot less of that kind of work. Um, the, there are three extra little research papers. One is about prophetic dance. One is about garments. And one is about um, uh, flags. So you research, like, garment sites and, you know, just write a paper about two or three sites that you really like, or you might run a, write a paper about, um, you know, what people wore in the Bible or, you know, there's a few topics to choose from uh, as far as, you know, what to write about. So um, it, there's really not that much more. It's just a little different. Um, there's more writing and you have more activations to do, ministry activations like, you know, um, <clears throat> and it, it, it leads 
more to you going out and doing ministry. So, like, for instance, one of the assignments is um, <clears throat> give, like, four letters of correspondence back and forth um, for, uh, like, you got an invitation to minister and dance at somebody's church or to do a workshop at somebody's church, something like that. How do you respond to it? And then so you make up this story and you write four letters of correspondence as if you're communicating back and forth with the conference host or the church host that wants you to dance and things like that. Um, so there's, there's assignments that prepare you for ministry. Um, so what's the other one? Um, um, oh, team-related issues. You know, how would you – it's basically like our chat questions. It's like you make up a question, kind of like a chat question, and then you answer it. Um, so, you know, so there's some different um, things to do that kind of prepare you for ministry. Um, but there's not nearly as many videos to watch and not nearly as many books to read. So, you know, it's kind of a trade-off. Um, but the but the schedule is set up identically. You know, it's like it's divided up by the three semesters, then it's divided up by the months, then it's divided up by the four or five weeks. And then each and every week you have a web check, each and every week you have a, um, a, a you know, like, well, that's part of web check, I guess. Um, well, whatever some of the other things are that you do every time. Um, and sending in chat questions and things like that. So some of the things and the setup and the schedule and all that is identical. Oh, and the workload gets lighter as the year progresses. Well, same with level one. It starts out really heavy in the beginning. You know, I figure people are more enthusiastic in the beginning and they're like, you know, really, they're going to get it done. You know, they're going to make it happen. And then there's less things to do as the year progresses one, um, because if you did happen to fall behind, you have a little more time to catch up toward the end. So that's kind of how why I did that too. And then in level two, the other reason I did um, lighter load toward the end is because you have a final project. I call it your dissertation, but it's nowhere near that. But it's, um, it's like you know, writing your book. And the re it, you don't have to write a whole book, so don't panic. Um, <clears throat> what the assignment is about is um, writing down that thing that has been in your spirit for years, <laughs> that you say, one of these days I'm going to write that book. You know, one of these days I'm going to put it down on paper. Well, here's your chance. Um, because it's part of an assignment, it really makes you think through that thing that God laid on your heart to write about. And, um, you know, several people have actually turned it into a book. Um, and they're, you know, in the process of publishing it now. So, um, you know, the actual assignment is like writing down, like, chapter titles, um, writing a little introduction, maybe starting a little, you know, a couple sentences of each chapter, that kind of thing. So it's, it's like to kind of get you the the pump primed, you know, priming the pump to get you ready and start writing that thing that you've always wanted to write about. And there's even an out. If you really don't want to do that, you can um, uh, videotape yourself talking about, you know, a vision that the Lord's given you and that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's not as scary as maybe some make it out to be. <laughs> um, it's, 
the schedule, like I say, is identical to level one. Um, but there's and there's far less videos, far less books, but there's a few extra different projects which are definitely doable. So um, no worries, <laughs> you guys will do fine. Um, so let's see. All right, this is Pauline's question. Could you tell me how we promote praise and worship dance ministry in a multiple of churches who don't believe in dance ministry? Um, promote praise and dance ministry in multiple churches who don't believe in dance ministry. Um, I'm not so sure. Well, maybe I'm not quite sure what the what you're after there as far as promoting dance ministry. Um, <clears throat> maybe you want to present at the church like with your team or you want to gather people from different churches to come to your church. I, I'm not quite sure what that question is, but I would say if they're dead set against it, that, you know, it'd be like it'd be like going to a church that they don't raise hands you know, they don't shout, they don't speak in tongues, anything like that. And you go in and you try to push, well, you've got to speak in tongues. You've got to raise your hands. You know, the, the different people have different beliefs within, within Christendom um, and, or they, they haven't discovered a revelation about certain things, you know. So, but trying to push an ideal on a group of people that don't believe something, um, it'd be like, you know, knocking on a brick, you know, it's like it's not going to open. Um, the the best way is probably for them to actually experience it, you know, if there was somehow they could come to a concert or, or something like that, maybe. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if that's what you're after, but um, but trying to, even if you handed them a flyer, it would probably go in the trash. I mean, if they're dead set against dance in the church, I mean, unless they see it and experience it, um, they're more than likely will probably reject it if they're already rejecting it as a whole, as a group. We don't believe this. This is not part of our doctrine. This is not part of what we want in this church. It's not part of our vision. You know, if you try to push something on a group of people that believe that way, they will probably nicely reject it. (laughs) So, um, best to go to, you know, places that believe in it or afford them an opportunity to experience it somehow and giving them that freedom of choice to be able to see it somehow. Um, Anyway, this is Angelica's question. We can do when the music does not, oh, we can do when the music does not flow. I am inspired to dance in the service of the congregation. Hmm. What do you do when the music does not flow and you're inspired to dance in the service? Uh, I guess maybe during praise and worship. Okay, so you're inspired to dance in the service, but the music doesn't flow with what you're trying to present. Um, Hmm. Well, I don't know. I guess I would just flow with whatever the music is doing um, or just wait until the music is inspiring. Um, 
I guess. I, I think if the music didn't flow, but I was inspired to dance, I would just wait until it's an inspired music so that, you know, I, I would feel like I'm going against what the Holy Spirit wants to do if I'm trying to make something happen and it's not working. You know, I would just, you know, wait and wait on the Lord for the right time and the right song. Um, yeah, because it's not not necessarily always at that moment that we're supposed to do something. Sometimes we have to sit on things and pray about it and wait until it's the appropriate time. Um, this is Francis West's question. What is the long-range vision that Dance for Him has to continue uh, to support us after year two? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> my hope is that, well, in addition to eventually doing level three, I, you know, I've just swamped with work and it's, it's putting level three together, even though it's just modules, um, it's, I need like a block of time and I'm hoping that after graduation that I can sit down and really devote that block of time to putting it together before January. If in addition to that, I'll be probably editing two new videos. So to try to put them out by, you know, January, February. So anyway, aside from the potential of the level three CEIs, which are continuing education credits, I'm hoping that people that after they graduate continue to come and support dancing for him by coming to the conferences and, you know, fellowshipping with other, other alumni that have been to the conferences. Um, it's, it's, and then, you know, say, write to me every now and then, let me know what's going on in your ministry, you know, ask me for prayer, you know, things like that. Um, so I would say just try to keep in touch if at all possible and I'm hoping that after those three modules for level three that there'll be more continuing education modules that I'm hoping for, you know, some live streaming things and for the um, Move of the Month Club and, um, you know, the Dance Room Connection where we're, you know, movement ideas and choreography ideas and ministry ideas and things like that. So um, so there's, you know, there's there's things for the future, but mostly I'm hoping that, People will reach back and, you know, not forget about me, <laughs> not forget about Dance for Him, but continue to, um, you know, come to the conferences and help out where you can, keep spreading the word, um, telling people about the school and things like that. Um, and, you know, I continue to pray for the school and pray for, you know, everybody that's in it or been in it. And, um, you know, so I'm just hoping that everybody stays in touch. <laughs> so um, I hope that that helps. The the big, big, big vision that's on the Dancing for Him page, I've had that since like 1994 and it still hasn't come to pass, but I believe it's it's changed. Um, it's the same premise, but it's, you know, technology has changed over the years. Um, you know, in the vision, it talks about like a, a school where there's all these different kinds of classes and, you know, different, um, you know, so I'm doing that, you know, but it's it's electronically now as opposed to, you know, a big facility with major overhead and expense. Um, I mean, it, it takes millions of dollars to have that kind of vision. <laughs> I'm nowhere near that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's 
I think God has kind of shifted the the vision. It's still the same vision, but it's it's more electronic now, you know, because we have these vehicles that we didn't have in 1994. When I first got in, when I saw the vision in '94, that's all I knew was to have classes in a physical building. I never dreamed that it would evolve into an electronic school, you know. So anyway, um, I'm also believing that I'll be able to somehow stream conferences. So where I would do it from here and groups would get together in their churches or um, in their homes and and it'd be like this giant conference in satellite areas all over the country and the world that, you know, anybody could come to this conference and not have to leave their home or church. So that's that's another hope and dream and vision of mine is to be able to um, activate people through like a conference slash webinar. And um, so I've been, you know, praying about that. And so if y'all can remember me in prayer about that, I just haven't quite put all the pieces together, but that's another thing I would like to do. Um, I'm hoping that the students will join the chats. Um, occasionally, you'll hear an alumni is on the chat. Um, so I'm hoping that more alumni, you know, um, continue to come on the chats, continue to encourage the level one and level two students as they're going through and, you know, that kind of thing. So basically stay in touch. Okay, I'm talking too much and I've got all these questions to do. Okay. <laughs> What is a reasonable <coughs> what is a reasonable minimum commitment a new team member feeling called by God but without previous dance training should be asked to make to participate in a dance team? Um, minimum commitment mm, they're feeling called by God, but they don't okay um I've mentioned before that a lot of teams have kind of like a probationary period. I don't know if that's really a good word to use, but it sounds kind of negative. But it's basically it's like you try the team for a while and we'll try you for a while, kind of kind of like a new job, um, where you know they come to the practices, they participate in any activities that you do, where you know like prayer and worship and um, Bible studies and you know choreography technique, team concepts you know, creative worship, things like that that you might do in your dance team practice time. But when it comes to the actual choreography of the dance, then they're welcome to watch but not present the dance until after their quote-unquote probationary period is over with. Then at that time, they can decide, you know, yes, this is for me and I want to buy the ballet shoes, I want to take lessons, I want to get the costume, whatever, um, or, nah, you know, this isn't really my cup of tea. I'm glad I had this probationary period because this is not what I want to do. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm called to this. You know, so it kind of gives them an out without having to make the investment of um, more time or, you know, um, buying the shoes, buying the costumes, and that kind of thing. Um, so I, I think that's a good idea. I never did that back then. I was just taking anybody that was, you know, a worshiper who had been in the church for six months to a year who, you know, was committed to the church for sure, um, and they had a heart to worship, 
I, come on in, <laughs> you know. So, and I knew everybody because I'd been in the church for years. So, I mean, I knew who everybody was. So, um, you know, but I, I'd say nowadays with the bigger churches or whatever, it's not a bad idea to have like a probationary period. Now she says the minimum time. Some churches, I've heard, they do like three months, and that that seems reasonable to me. I don't know. They just have to pray and see what works best for you. Um, Okay, this is another one. Um, This is Francis West's question. The organizer leader of our dance team has accepted a temporary eight-week teaching assignment elsewhere. To fill her place, I have taken several of Tessalyn's DVDs to the group so that each one of us can learn and teach during her absence. That's a good idea. Uh, For people who don't have that resource, what else could be done to hold the team together during this period? Um, Okay, I've been talking for the last 15 minutes straight. So let's get somebody else. Um, How about Tanya? I haven't heard from you tonight. Um, What do you think would be a good thing for a group to do in the absence of their team leader for a season? Keep the co- coherency, uh, consistency, and all that. Tanya, are you still there? Um, no. Yes, yeah. I'm here. Can you? Uh, were you talking to me, Pastor Lynn? Yes. Uh huh. Okay. You can you repeat part of that? I was trying to unmute sure. it, and I missed part of it. Oh, okay. Sure. Um, She was talking about a situation where the dance team leader has to take a leave of absence from the dance team for about eight weeks. And um, aside from, you know, doing my books and videos in her absence, what is something else who, you know, somebody doesn't have my books and videos, what can they do um, in the leader's absence to maintain, you know, consistency and unity and, you know, coherence and whatever the word is, you know, unity. Um, so what's what? some things to do? So you're saying if they don't have the books and videos and none of the right. team members have the books or videos? Right. Um, <laughs> well, they can, uh, first of all, seek the Lord. That's always the thing I would do, seek him for wisdom and guidance. Um, there's videos on YouTube and things like that 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 you can get and share, or you can just um, maybe maybe talk to all the team members and and see if there is you know like take a survey and see if there's something that's on their heart that they want to do. You know, the Holy Spirit works in so many different ways. See if there's something that's consistent among a lot of them, and maybe you could focus on that. But I think the main thing is to to continue at least with a, a certain amount of order of things that you have been doing, like you've been, mm-hmm. been doing uh, a certain move with, with flags or something to maybe expand on that. If you've been doing uh, focusing on the strengthening of the body, you know, make sure they're con- continuing to do what they know to do mm-hmm. and then add to it. So yeah, that's no, a little that's bit lighter. You know, there's so many resources out now. Uh, and some of them may have ideas of their own. You know, again, I think just being led by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is the main thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe even have a guest teacher come in. I know yes. one team that had a ballet teacher um, come in for actually, I think it was about eight weeks. And um, she would come to their dance team practice times uh, during that 
period of time, although I think the leader was still there, they just happened to have a guest teacher, and she taught the team ballet. So, oh, yeah. Great. Yeah, that was really, really productive for them. And um, mm-hmm. so maybe have a couple of different types of teachers come in and have little like mini workshops during your you know, practice times or something. Great um, <clears throat> But I like your idea about being consistent, doing what you're used to doing, um, you know, and then adding to it. That's a really good idea. Um, mm-hmm. That's the That's the uh-huh. Yes. Oh, this is Allison. Um, uh-huh. um, I, I needed, um, I, I got this funeral uh, invitation, and uh, I, I know you hadn't got to my question yet, but I was just wondering if you could help me out with that. With what? Dancing at this funeral. I got this funeral that's going to be coming up. The lady's still alive now. Uh-huh. <laughs> her daughter wants me to dance at her funeral. Uh-huh. And, I, and, I, and I wanted to know if I can get some feedback from you all or advice or whatever. Okay. What, um, one of the questions you asked, I think, was what you should wear, right? And, um, yes. I think um, uh, you don't have to wear black. Just especially if it's a Christian environment and it's a celebration mm-hmm. of a home com- a home going, um, mm-hmm. it's it's more celebratory than somber. Um, so you wouldn't you wouldn't have to wear black, but you wouldn't necessarily. I don't think probably maybe wouldn't necessarily want to wear like lime green or orange or something outlandish because um, you want to be respectful you know, as well. So maybe something more subtle, you know, and, um, you know, as far as what to wear. Um, and then as far as the song, you know, I would just she, pray. She chose the song. Yeah, oh, she, she chose, she the, chose song. the song. The mom, okay. the, the the daughter chose the song. Uh-huh. I, I can only okay. imagine it's the one she wants. Oh, well, that's... Yeah. Pastor Lynn? Yes? Pastor Lynn, this is Marcy. I uh-huh. actually did a funeral for a young man. He was 24. He got killed in a motorcycle accident. And that was the song that I danced to with another gentleman that was on the dance team that I was in. And I actually wore white with a red uh, um, ephod over it. And Reggie was in um, I think he had white on as well using the huge, huge, like six-foot flag. He was on the platform, and I was down on the, uh, in the front of the, the platform there, and we were dancing to that song with red and white on. And it was absolute gold flags, absolutely beautiful. And it wow. was just amazing. Wow. So, wow. yeah, and I, you know, I wore white, so it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And, you know, people wow. came up to us afterwards and said that that was the best part of the whole funeral was the dance. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, That's so beautiful. just pray. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the and do you like, do you, what about I, I Eye contact with the, do you like uh, do you like avoid making eye contact with people or you know oh that would be a question oh yes no I I wouldn't I would keep the focus more on the Lord yes. I mean sir you you know a general glance 
out to the people is good, you know, in general. But I would not do, you know, the prophetic dance where you, you know, look at people's eyes and go right next to them and get close to them and all that. Not, I don't think that would be appropriate at a funeral. I mean, I, I don't know. If you're going to do, I can only imagine, if your, your dance, is more about what heaven is like and what that person you're telling a story with your dance. You're not you're not speaking from the throne room through the dancer to the people. You're creating a story for them to give them comfort. So this is not an occasion or nor the song where you would go out and come right up to somebody's face and look them in the eye and, you know, try I I don't think that because it, and it's not talking in first person. The song mm-hmm. is is telling a story, so you're you're kind of acting out that story as it were, you know, and and giving them their focus on the Lord and and you know that the person is okay and is with the Lord in heaven now and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't do the the prophetic kind of dance like we do at the conference in in that kind of setting. Now if you know, that's for that particular song and that particular setting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Lord may show another person, you know, a prophetic dance that would relate to that particular family or something, but that's a whole other story. But in this particular case, <clears throat> as I can only imagine, you're, you're there to kind of create that picture with the dance to bring them comfort, you know. So um, anyway... Um, does that help any? Yeah, yeah, thanks. I was just trying to, you know, I hadn't thought of it. They actually saw that dance that I did, and, and her mother is a, a place dancer. And it's, it's uh-huh. actually kind of making me nervous because the lady's still alive, and oh, it's like, wow. Oh, oh wow. But uh, anyway, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to yeah. get through it. Praise the Lord. That's right. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that time already. Oh, my gosh. Um, so we only have one more like regular chat, um, it's hard to imagine. Is that right? Can that be? And then the next chat after that, we, okay, so the next chat is, um, <clears throat> let's see, 13, okay, uh, chat here instead, okay, four. Oh yeah, because we have one on the 30th and then here. Okay, so we're going to have a chat on the 4th. And if I can get a webinar together in time, I'll, try to do that on the 27th and if I do that I would let you know um, <clears throat> but I think we'll probably just keep with the chat on the 4th and you know try to finish up these questions and then the next one would be the 18th and on the 18th is our actual last chat before oh my gosh before graduation before your um, you know last day of school is the 24th of October or your assignments have to be in by then anyway. So, yes, yeah, so we only have two more chats. It would be the 4th and the 18th. And um, <clears throat> so on the 18th, I really want to try to hear from as many of you as possible, you know, like where God's taking you, where you see yourself going, in ministry and your worship dance and things like that. Um, so anyway, oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I, I want to get these webinar things together, but I'm not – positive that's going to happen um so 
Anyways, thank you all for participating. I know I talked a lot tonight, so I was trying to go quickly through a lot of these, but it's always nice to hear your input. Um, can I have Atira? Are you still on the line? Atira, can you close this in prayer, please? Yes, I'm on the line. Okay, and then I look forward to hearing you all the next chat. And I've been trying to read essays when they come in, and I watch videos every now and then. Um, I just so enjoy watching the ones that I'm able to and reading the essays. It's just always a delight for me. But um, anyway, uh, go ahead, Donna, uh, Tira, if you would please. Um, Father, I just thank you, Lord. I just thank you for um, all the questions on the chat, Lord, and and all the answers, Father, as as we're um, growing into leaders that you're calling us to be, Father, and the revelation that we're able to gather from each other that would help um, equip us to be leaders, Lord. Father, I just thank you for Pastor Lynn, Lord. I just um, ask... um, you know, to protect her, Lord, and and just to strengthen her body as she continues to do her conference, as she prepares for her graduation, Lord, and um, as she's preparing for uh, a level three school, Father, that you would just make that clear for her and um, and easy for her to grasp and be able to um, be able to bring forth to us, Lord, Father. I just ask that um, that you be with each answer in both level one and level two school as we're working on and, and trying to accomplish and finish up our assignments, Father, that we would um, work out the last couple of weeks, Lord, with ease, with excitement, with, in, with in, uh, anticipation, Lord, for everything that you, um, you have for us, Lord, and for um, level one students that's um, thinking about going into um, level two, Father, that you provide for them, for us financially, Father, that you would, um, that you would encourage us, Lord, um, as you did um, through level one, Father, that we would enter level two with the confidence that we've learned in level one, Lord, and, um, and Lord, you would just... Um, just give us deeper wisdom and deeper revelation of who you um, called us to be in the dance. We praise um, all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Bless you all. Amen. Amen. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.